a few words there that really resonate with me. The word rich, hold on to that word, rich. Second word, secure. As I watch that, I ask myself, why would Kevin do that? Why, why would a man leave an established, good-paying job that is secure? I don't know how much he got paid, but it's a lot more than none probably from his video. Like, why in the world would a man do that? And then to say when he did this, what did he experience? Fruit. Third word I want you to really think about as we open up the word of God to 2 Peter chapter 1. Think about rich. Think about secure. Think about fruit. May I propose to you today that all of those things as defined by the world are so completely different and fail in comparison to all of those three things when defined by God, our creator. Are you with me? Rich, secure, fruitful. I'm diving right in today. Like I'm going, uh, today, I really want you to leave with I, what I believe the second greatest gift you could ever have this side of heaven. The first is salvation. Your greatest gift that you'll ever receive is life in Jesus Christ. That is the number one. The second thing, greatest gift that you'll ever receive is the security that that's true. Are you with me? Okay. So we're going to talk about something today that some people think is like a, a secondary doctrine, secondary truth within Scripture. I consider this an essential truth if you were going to experience the life that God has for you. May I ask you to never underestimate the power of security. We're all so hungry for that. I mean, if you have kids, you know this. Your kids need to feel secure. My wife needs to feel secure. That's my role. We all are innately bent toward needing security and assurance in our life. Never underestimate, underestimate the power of security and, and never forget where true security comes from. And that's what we're going to talk about today, Second, Second Peter chapter 1. So a few months ago, I don't remember exactly which month, I think it was around October, I went with my son. Some of you I told part of the story, so if you've heard the story, it's okay. Just hear it again and act like it's the first time you heard it, okay? Great, appreciate that. But uh, about three months ago or so, I went bass fishing in a lake called Fayette County Lake, which if you're a largemouth bass fisherman and you've done that for a while, you likely have either been there or wanted to be there because there's some great fishing. It's, right, it's a power plant, plant lake. There's a coal power plant right there next to it. There's always noise, and it's always warmer water than everywhere else. But, man, it's some great fishing. And so we, I was going to take Josiah. He had never been there. I had been there several times with a guy named Ted Price. Ted, thank you for taking me fishing. It's time we go again, my friend. If you're watching this, let's go. Let's go this week. I'm ready. 
But we went. I'm so excited because when you go, I mean, we always, when I'm with Ted, we catch like 50 fish, like 100 fish. And so I was so excited. That, and, and small ones like this, but you know, fishing, we call some big ones more like this, you know. We got some big ones. You know, it, it, it's a blast. It's a blast being on the water. So we left our home here at Grand Lake Estates and hooked up to our, our boat, my boat, my 1989 champion bass boat. And we went all the way. It's about a two-hour drive. And Got some donuts on the way because that's the deal, right? It's my, that's my rule when it comes to men's outings. We have to eat good both ways on the way there, on the way back. It's just one of those. It's a hard and fast rule. I encourage you to try it. So we got there. It was not a bit of wind when we left our house. When we got there on the water, guess what? Gale force winds, which didn't deter me. I'm like, we're going because I had just that week before put a motor guide XI-5 wireless trolling motor on the front of my bass boat. Now, you guys are like, what is that? Well, you know the trolling motor you put down in the water and you're supposed to do it with your foot like this? Well, this one, it's one of them newfangled technologies, right? It's got a GPS built into it. You put it down and it does everything else by itself. Like literally, you go out there and you find the spot. So I knew where all the spots were because Ted showed me, right? So I went to the spots that Ted showed me and, and we got right over the fish, and sure enough, we got there, looked on my fish finder, the sonar, and there are fish everywhere. And we were so excited. We were looking at it, like, Lord, I got so many fish. And the wind was blowing. It's like, I got, it's okay. I got this trolling motor. So I put the trolling motor down, and I, I got the remote. I was got a remote, a wireless remote, and I pressed the anchor button. That's the, what it's called. It's got an anchor on it, okay? I pressed the anchor button. Guess what happened? Not a thing. I learned something that technology can be your best friend and worst enemy. And so that day, we were literally dead in the water. So we lost our spot. I looked, the fish were gone. And so I got my motor, and I went back. I tried to fix it again, and the wind blew us off of it. I don't know how big a wind. So I have one of two-foot waves and probably 20, 30-mile-an-hour winds coming out of what would have been the west to the east that day. And so I got the old-school anchor out, all right? So I brought, I brought an anchor. I got the old school anchor out, and I put it out. We got right over the fish. It wasn't this anchor, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Oh, yeah. That's an anchor. I got it out, and I put it out. It's about 15 foot of water, and most of Fayette Lake, Fayette County Lake, is, is very sandy. And so I put this anchor down, and guess what? It started to do this. It's kind of like that. You know what that means? I mean, it's not working. And so I looked, and like, there were the fish when I put it out, and all of a sudden, we're not catching any fish. I caught one fish right when we got there. That was the only fish we caught all day. And to, to make matters worse, I kept putting this anchor out, and it's just dragging on the sand, right? And, and eventually, it finally, it finally stuck on something, and I wanted to go because, you know, they say there's, you know, no such thing as a bad day on the water. That day, that was not true, all right? I had enough. I'd had enough. And I went to pull that anchor out, and guess what? The rope broke. That anchor lies there today at that very good fishing spot. One day I'm going to go back. I'm going to try to get it back. But I, you know what I did? When I got back, I fixed my trolling motor, by the way. It was a power problem. I wasn't getting power to my trolling motor. But guess what else I did? I got a different anchor. And you know what I did? I got a bigger anchor in a different design. And now I hitch my boat to a different anchor. Now, okay, work with me here. All right. Got an anchor. Here's the truth. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is both bad news and good news. 
Work with me, okay? This is very important that we get this before we get to 2 Peter. I'm getting there. Don't worry. We're going to get there. But listen, the bad news is that we're all sinners. That's what Paul says in the book of Romans. For all of sin that comes short of the glory of God. Okay, walk with me. And sin separates from, separates from God. For the wages of sin is death. Complete separation from God, Romans 6.23. Okay. So what does that mean? That means that God now, because of sin, is up here. And we're down here. We are all equally unrighteous, y'all. Not a one of us is righteous. No, not one. We are all completely dead in our sin. And God saw this. And God had a plan. Remember the plan? God came down. We just celebrated Christmas, right? God incarnate, the Son of God came down. And why did he come down? For God to love the world, that he gave his one only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Are you with me? He came down out of heaven to earth, our soil, okay? And he did something that we can't do. You see this divide. He lived a perfect life, and he died for your and my sins, completely paid in full. And then he was resurrected on the third day. A little bit later, he went back to the Father, okay? Now, what does all that mean? Okay, see the picture here. We have this problem, God up here, we're down here. And it's as if we're trying, we all, we all need security. We all, we all are built, we have a bent for this. We all need security, and we're anchoring our life on the things of this world. You name it, whatever that is. But the winds of sin and the winds of this world, all their carnal, carnal stuff, all the stuff that's going away, you know, it's like you see it shaking. Like we're just getting blown around, and our vessel is a shifting vessel. And we, we never experience full fulfillment. We never experience the joy that God has for us. We feel empty. Why? Because there's nothing around that really anchors us, that gives us secure. So Jesus came down, all right? He is the anchor of our soul. That's what Hebrews says, Okay? The anchor of our soul. He came down and he did something that we can't do. You know, I, I work out a little bit, okay? And, and I think if I tried, <laughs> work with me. If I tried, you think I'm going to do it? I could throw this pretty high. I could probably hit that sheetrock, maybe, and it would do some damage. And we have to pay to fix it again. You think so? You guys try it? No. But you know what Jesus did? See the picture here. This is so important, you guys. This is why I'm spending the time to do this. Jesus came down. And he did what we can't do. He took our access and he anchored the possibility, the potentiality of a complete full relationship with God. And he anchored in heaven, okay? He took the anchor so that the anchor fulfillment is not down here. It will never be. It is up there in heaven. And Jesus leaves this anchor rope for us if we so choose to grab a hold of and have the abundant life that God has for us. So see this. This anchor never moves. It never changes. And this is what God has done for us. See, our greatest gift is salvation. But one thing we don't talk about enough. You know, this may be your first message you've ever heard in your life. On that you can have and should work to have complete assurance Complete certainty that you are a follower of Christ, a child of God. And one day, 
one day we will meet the Father in heaven. Do you know you can have complete certainty? I'm like, I went, yeah, there he is. I went deep today, just real quick. Why is this so important? I'll tell you in a little bit a few things that this does for us. But as we open up 2 Peter, we're reminded, we're going to be in verse 10 and 11 today. We're reminded that this is Peter writing to the church of South Asia, read by lots of different churches there. He loved them. And Peter is looking at death at this point. He's in, we know he's in prison at this point. We don't know how long, but his death is imminent. He's going to be killed very soon. And so I can see Peter, as we read these verses I can see Peter expressing, as knowing that he is about to step into eternity, having the complete certainty, assurance of what's going to happen to him when that happens. And he's, he's teaching and he's inviting and he's reminding as we read a little further, as we continue and unpack our journey through 2 Peter, that, that we can have this too, just as he had. And we've been walking this journey, and if you're taking some notes, you can take a, down a few notes. But we walk in this journey in verse 1, we learn that, that Jesus is the source of our salvation. He's the source. Verse 2, we learn that, that there is the substance of our salvation. In verse 2, it says, it's the grace and peace accessed through the knowledge of God through Jesus Christ. We find that in verse 2. So, so we have the source, it's Jesus. The substance of that is grace and peace and the knowledge of him. And then in verses 3 and 4, we learn the sufficiency of salvation. That God, his divine power in verse 3, has given us, remember the word? Everything. He's given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So the salvation that we have in God through Jesus Christ is completely sufficient. He gives us everything that we need in this life and the hereafter Today, as we pick up in verse 5, we, we, we went through verse 5 to 9 last week, and then we get to verse 10 and 11, we are reminded and taught of our certainty, the certainty of our salvation. It's so important. Sometimes this is called the security of the believer. I think that that phrase is good, but I think that falls far short, that you can today, you can today know that you know that you know that you know that there is something that can never, ever, 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 and there's no words to even describe it, ever be taken from you. Ever be taken from you. And that is your connection to God through Jesus Christ. Let that rest. And that's what Peter's going to talk about today in verse 10 and 11, but there's a sequence here that we've learned, that we don't seek the ways of Jesus, we seek Jesus and the knowledge of him and the ways come after. So Peter has been teaching us this, that yes, there are ways, there are disciplines, there are fruits of being a true follower of Jesus Christ, but we don't seek first those things, although we press into those and, we, and we, we're disciplined to learn those and put them into practice. We seek Jesus and his character first. And so we might say today that the root or the fruit is in the root. Get it right. The fruit of being a follower of Jesus Christ is always found in the root. And the root, rooting in Christ always comes first. The root brings the fruit. And as we look at verse 10, we learn this. A follower of Jesus intentionally rooted 
intentionally growing, intentionally using the word that Second Peter used in verse 5, striving, making every effort to know Christ and to walk in his ways, we'll learn today, will prove, will prove his calling and election, will prove his salvation. And that word prove, I think of when I say that, you know, when I was younger in elementary school, back on the playground, some, somebody would always say, you'd say something, they'd say, prove it, prove it, right? That's what they'd say. I kind of feel like Second Peter is talking about that as we read. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 10 and 11, just two verses today. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make, what's the word? <laughs> okay, we'll try that again. Make one more time, make effort to confirm your calling and election. So calling that God has called you and the election that you are a chosen one, that you have been set apart in Christ. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. May I point out that that's one of the words that I wanted you to think about. You'll receive a rich and abundant, some of your verses say, an abundant welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, this is one of the most misunderstood verses in Scripture. Because if you take just those two verses and read them and teach them outside of the context, what it really sounds like is that we have the ability to decipher and choose and make ourselves know everybody else that we can choose to do this and we can, we can lose. If we don't do this, we are in danger of losing our salvation. That's not what it's saying here, and I'll tell you why in a moment. That's why we have to have good, what is a word for it, good, solid hermeneutics. What that is is a study of how to study scripture, okay? A study of how to study. And so we always have to read God's word in context. We have to know who's writing it. Here, it's Peter. We've talked about that already. We have to know who his audience is. He's writing to the churches in the first century, Asia Minor, okay? And what's, what's the content of it? Or he's writing from prison, right? We know that. This is kind of his last letter to the early church. Like, I want you to know these things. I'm going away, and this is what I'm leaving you. So knowing that and starting to read in verse 1, we can see that Peter is writing to those that share in faith. We see that in verse 1, right? It says, To those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. And so we know in context that Peter has not even mentioned any doubt of whether these people are really followers of Jesus or not. And so now that we have know that because we're reading it in context and we're following Peter's thought process here and what he's doing we would not think that that's what he's talking about. That's not what it's talking about here. What he's saying here is that we have the responsibility. Get this. We, we have the responsibility to be certain about our assurance of salvation. Did you know that? We said last week a statement, and I'll say it again. God has done his part. We must do ours. 
God has already done everything he needed to do so that we can experience life abundantly, sure, certain. Now, as followers of Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus today, you have a responsibility. And that's what Peter is saying here. You need to make every effort. You need to strive. You need to strive to confirm to validate, and this takes time, that word takes time over time to validate your calling and election. And I personally think, we don't really know, but I think this is not validating it for everybody else to know. Honestly, I think this is validating it for yourself. Because let's be honest, we all have doubts. Have you ever doubted whether you are truly in Christ? If you say no, I'm not sure if you're telling the truth. Let's be honest today. We, we, we're family, right? Full transparency. We've struggled with this, y'all. We have all, when I say we, I'm not looking at you, I'm looking at myself. It's something we all have wrestled with. Like, is this really right? Is this really true? Did that really happen in November of 1988? That's when I first put my trust in Jesus Christ. I mean, was it real? And that's the enemy comes in. He comes in. It's like, is it real? Is it real? Is it real? Is it real? And so, yes, we have doubts, and, and that's okay. But we take our doubts to the right place where the truth is in God's word. So God has done his part. We must do ours. So, so here, I'll say it a different way. Our positional relationship with Christ, as Peter's talking about validating our election and calling, our positional relationship in Christ will never, ever change. Peter is not questioning that. Why? Because it's not based on our performance. It's based on the performance of Christ. It's not based on anything that we could ever do. It's based on what God, through Jesus, has already done. And so that is the birth of where this security comes from. And the moment we miss that, when the, the moment that, that we start relying on our own performance, we begin to have some trouble. So our positional relationship in Christ can never be changed or affected, but our experiential relationship depends on whether we do two things. We grow in the understanding of who we are in Christ and then in obedience. And that's what Peter is saying here. Our experience relationship is rooted in our positional relationship that never changes, which has already been established in our faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah. So our assurance, like what we're talking about, our assurance of salvation comes by gazing upon Christ. Peter says, knowing Christ. We've been given everything through the knowledge. That salvation comes from the knowledge. That grace and peace, yours in abundance through the knowledge. Okay? So remembering, remembering who Jesus is, remembering his substitutionary atonement, that, that he came and he fully paid. He came and came to our place and paid our price on the cross, that you know that and you remember that. And when the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. I could keep going on and on. He who became sin, he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Remember that? That is true. That will always be true. And when we remember that, our certainty will not come from our performance, but the performance of Christ. 
And when we falter in obedience, when, right? When we falter in obedience, our security and our assurance will not waver because they're not found in our actions. They're not found, found in our things that we do, but they're found in the constant awareness of who Jesus is and will always be. So two things I want to give you today before we leave. What does assurance do? If salvation is the greatest gift and the assurance and certainty is the second greatest gift, what does it do? The first thing we find in verse 10, assurance brings satisfaction and peace. Assurance gives us satisfaction and peace. A guy named Thomas Brooks in 1654, he says this about the assurance of salvation. Assurance is the believer's ark where he sits like Noah. Get the picture? He sits like Noah, quiet and still in the midst of all distractions and destructions, commotions and confusions. Most Christians live between fears and hopes and hang, as it were, between heaven and hell. Sometimes they hope that their state is good. Other times they fear that their state is bad. And now they hope that all is well and that it shall go well and with them forever. And then they fear that they shall perish by the hand of such a corruption or by the prevalency of such temptation. And so they are like a ship in a storm, like a 1989 champion bass boat in a storm, tossed here and there. You see, when we get who Jesus is, when we get who we are and we do the work to strive for ourselves to remember and know and walk in the knowledge of who Christ is and who he is in us and who we are in him. You see, that changes everything. It changes everything. Charles Spurgeon said it this way, faith saves us, but assurance satisfies us. That's a mouthful in just a few words. Faith saves us. Assurance satisfies us. He goes on. Full assurance is not essential to salvation, but it is essential to satisfaction. No believer should be content with hoping and trusting. He should ask the Lord to lead him on to full, complete assurance so that matters of hope may become matters of certainty. And that word certainty is the word that we find there. Make every effort to confirm. Make certain. The word is babayos. And it describes that which is fixed, that which is stable, that which is sure, attested, and certified. And it refers to something that has validity over the course of time. So here's the truth for us today. When, when Peter says that, to, to, to make every effort to confirm your calling, that takes time. It takes us being patient. It takes us being intentional, make every effort. But it takes us extending grace to ourselves and continuing to focus on the word of God, which is our light. It is our truth. There's that phrase in the second part of that verse. It says, make every effort to confirm your calling and election and if you do these things, you will never stumble. I wrestled with that phrase. If you make things certain, you will never stumble. What do you think that means? Well, I kind of thought that means I won't sin. And as I thought about that, that's not true. That's not true. What this means is you will never have a doubt that you are a child of God. And so... 
It's not saying that you won't fail, you won't falter, because you won't fail anymore. But you will remember that the one who never fails will never fail anymore, because he never has. That's Jesus Christ. Are you with me? All right? So make certain these things. Assurance brings satisfaction and peace. But the second thing is assurance galvanizes purpose and mission. Do you know how you have a purpose in life? You have a mission? It's, and Peter teaches us this in verse 11. You will receive, if you do these things, you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I see this picture here of a people that are working so hard for the approval of God. And they already have it in Jesus Christ. Do you know that you are approved by God if you have put your faith in him? And so what Peter is really saying here, instead of working for the approval of God, begin the process of working and living and building from and in and through the approval of God. You are already approved through Jesus Christ. His righteousness given to, imputed to us. Yesterday, I, I put my boots on. I walked in my backyard. And you know, it's been raining some. It's been raining. And we have chickens. And, and our chickens, we, at one point when we first got chickens, we let them free range. Because that's the cool thing to do these days. I have free range chickens. And so we did. Let me just say it didn't turn out too well. I'm not going to tell you the story. This is not a chicken story, okay. But, but i got to paint the picture. I, w- I went out yesterday. I put my boots on. Why do you put boots on before you go into a chicken coop? Because they're nasty, okay. Or, I just want to paint a picture. It's been raining. And our, all of our chickens are in a 25-foot by 25-foot coop area. It's called a chicken run. It's not necessarily called a coop. It's a chicken run. So they can't fly out. There's a net. And there's a fence around it. They, can't, they could dig out, I guess, but they don't. They're not that smart. And, and, and so I go there yesterday, and it's wet. It's been raining, a little drizzly, wet. And, and, and you know chickens are nasty, and, and they don't smell good. But they are especially nasty and smell bad whenever it's wet. I want you to just see a picture of when I got to the door of our chicken run and I opened it up. And there are these 13 chickens running around. They only do a few things. They eat, they sleep, and you know what else. Right? And it smells. It smells so bad. And I look down and there's the remnants of what they do. (laughs) And I took one step and guess what happened? (laughs) Then I caught myself. Y'all thought I was going there. I mean, I was this close to eating some of that stuff that they do. I mean, I was, I was this close. I mean, I, and so I, I gathered myself, and, and I very, I slipped a little bit more, and I stepped in some of that stuff they do. You know, it was just, it's nasty. Well, we got some eggs, so that's the, that's the, that's the good part of the story. Still got some eggs. I thought about that. I think that is, uh, that's what Peter's saying here, is to move on, is, is to move forward, and that, that this assurance galvanizes, it protects and propels us with the firm footing that is found only in Jesus Christ. And so I see these people who have an unsolid, and that's not a real word I know, but I made it up, an unsolid earthly foundation below them, 
and they're trying to get footing and they never can. They keep slipping and keep slipping and keep slipping. What Peter is saying here is if you do this, you strive with all of who you are to show to yourself that this is who you are and you live within that, that gives you a firm, never-changing foundation, an anchor, if you will, an anchor that will propel you to continue to prove that you truly are indeed a follower of Jesus Christ, to bear the fruit because you are rooted in Jesus Christ. Thomas Watson said it this way. Listen to this statement. Assurance will be as weights to the clock to set all the wheels of obedience running. Assurance will be as weights to the clock to set all the wheels of obedience running. I love that. What's that saying? When we remember and when we prove to ourselves and make certain of who we are in Jesus and we can stand completely on that, that sets in motion this burden and desire to do that which we are created to do. And what is that? To live on mission for Jesus Christ, to show him his grace and love and life to those around us. You see that verse there, you will receive, if you do these things, you will receive a rich, there's that word, a rich welcome. When we step out of this world into eternity, we will receive a rich welcome into into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know what I don't think that is? I don't think when we get to heaven that those of us who are less faithful will be driving Ford Pintos. And the people who are more faithful, faithful will be driving Bentleys. I don't think that's what it's talking about. You know what I think what it's talking about there? I think it's talking about when we are found in Christ, we walk in that, and we build our life on it. People will see. People will sense. They will notice. We'll begin talking about that that has enlivened us, the life of Jesus Christ to them. You know what they're going to do? They're going to do what we did when we put our faith in Jesus. They will do that too. And then someone else will see that in them, and they'll do it too. You see, this is the mission of us. We are to be a family on mission to express the glory of God to those around us. And so assurance gives us a place where we're no longer having to live for the approval of God, but now we are given life and we can confidently move forward because God's got he is with us. He's got our back and we are in him completely and we can go and do together what God has called us to do. And so Peter is not addressing the fact of his readers entering the kingdom, but the quality of that entrance, okay? So it's not addressing the fact of the readers, of his readers entering the kingdom, whether they're going to or not, but the quality. And let me mention that rich quality. What what do I think that is? I think one day when we get to heaven, we'll look out. For those of us who are faithful, it doesn't decipher whether we're in Christ or going to heaven one day, but one day... You know, if I'm faithful, there's going to be my children, maybe, my neighbors, my workmates, my schoolmates, you name it. Those people that I pass, you know what I'll see? You know what? I'll see their eyes. And I'll see, you know what? As I grew in the assurance of my salvation and I experienced the fruit of being rooted in Christ, these people got to be there too. Can you imagine one day? Oh, yeah. I, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
hmm, that is the treasure. That is the richest treasure we can ever experience. I mean, Jesus talked much about this, right? He said not to store up earthly treasures. Store up for yourself heavenly treasures. What is that? That things which are eternal, spiritual things. That's what Peter's talking about. You will receive a rich welcome. You're going to get in, but when you get there, you're going to be going in with these people. Like, man, look at what Jesus has done among us by his grace and by his mercy and by his power. That song that I sang, maybe you did too. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. I sang that growing up knowing like that is amazing for me. Never did I really understand until I thought deeply of these two verses that that means so much about the way I live among other people. Not just what I have and that assurance that gives me satisfaction and peace. It gives me a mission. It gives me a purpose and propels me out to help people experience that that I already have. That is Jesus Christ. You see, assurance makes all the difference in the world, my friends. All the difference in the world. I want to read this, and this is going to be my closing, but I want you to lean in and listen to what this author, I don't even know who it is. I just want you to know it's not me. I found this. It's completely anonymous, but this is so true and lines up with what we're learning out of 2 Peter. Listen to this. Genuine holiness, being right in God's eyes, genuine holiness will yield you a heaven hereafter, but genuine assurance will yield you a heaven here. He goes on. Or she. He who has holiness and knows it will have two heavens, a heaven of joy, comfort, peace, contentment, and assurance here, and a heaven of happiness and blessedness hereafter. Genuine assurance will be a spring of joy and comfort in you. It will make heavy afflictions light, long afflictions short, and bitter afflictions sweet. You see, assurance makes all the difference in the world. He goes on. It will make you frequent fervent, constant, and abundant in the work of the Lord. It will strengthen your faith, raise your hope, inflame your love, increase your patience, and brighten your zeal. It will make every mercy sweet, every duty sweet, every ordinance sweet, and every providence sweet. It will rid you of all your sinful fears and cares. It will give you ease under every burden and make death more desirable than life. Hmm. It will make you more strong to resist temptation, more victorious over opposition, and more silent in every difficult condition. Genuine assurance will turn every winter night into a summer's day, every cross into a crown, and every wilderness into a paradise. Genuine assurance will be a sword to defend you, a staff to support you, a cordial to strengthen you, a medicine to heal you, and a star to lead you. Listen, my friends. It's so important that you understand that today, this very moment, you can be completely sure of who you are in Jesus Christ. And if you're a follower of Jesus today, it's your responsibility to continue to grow in that truth and to understand it deeper and deeper and deeper. Two questions as we close. First is this, are you secure in Christ? Have you, have you come to a moment in your life where you said, Jesus, take the will? I know it's a song, but you said, I can't do this. I've tried. I've tried, and I, I, I just can't get what I need. And so you come to a point in your life where you have grabbed that 
anchor rope. You said, Jesus, I know life is only in you, and I trust you. I trust you. Have you done that? Remember when? If you haven't, you can't remember when, I'd love to talk to you about this this week. We don't have a formal invitation today, but we do have a formal invitation every Sunday through that connection card. On the back of that uh, connection card, it's that little tear-off on the bottom of your bulletin. There's a few little blanks there that you can check. I promise you we read all of those connection cards. So when you turn them in and put them in the box on the way out, we read them. We read those prayers. We send them to our prayer team every week when we get them. But there's a few little blanks there. One is... I want more information about finding hope in Jesus. That's what we're talking about. Or I would like to talk to a pastor. Just right now, if you have questions, if you have doubts about what we're talking about, would you just put a check, X, circle, doesn't matter, however you want. Make it, make, make it show. Surprise me. It doesn't matter to me what you put there. But I promise uh, I'll get back with you ASAP because this is what the church is here to do, to make clear that we can all experience life in Jesus Christ abundantly, and we can be sure for that. And if you are secure in Christ today, if you have made a choice to follow Jesus, are you doing what Peter said? Are you making every effort, every effort to build your life on Christ, the cornerstone of our faith? Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your word. It's profound, challenging, but also at the same time, this is so transformational. God, would you, through your spirit, help us to understand it even deeper as we go home and just think about, think about this foundational truth that salvation is in you and it is eternal. It is secure. Jesus, would we grow in your ways as we grow to know you more every single day. God, for those who have doubts, I pray this week, God, that you would, through your spirit, you would, you would just help them to reach out to someone, if not me, someone else, so they can experience what I've experienced, the certainty, the assurance of Jesus in my life. We pray together in his name. Amen.